Hi, this is Miles Miller from Sturgill Simpsons Band. When I'm not driving around in my Ford Bronco listening to Ralph Stanley, I'm listening to Jukebox Graduate. Thank you, Miles. That's maybe one of the sweetest men in show business right there. Uh, and uh, of course, I met Miles years ago when um, Sturgill Simpson was opening for Dwight. And uh, Miles was just on the road uh, past uh, recently with uh, the food stamps and Tyler Childers. And I think Miles is hopefully home uh, <clears throat> spending it with his family during the holidays. And I hope you you all got to spend time with your family during yeah. the holidays as well. Welcome, Dave Rayburn. Eugene Edwards, welcome to you as well. Welcome to me. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to this year-end episode that you're going to hear at the beginning of the year of the Jukebox Graduate. Yay. How were your holidays? They were great. Yeah? Uh, with the exception of last night. Now, this is post-Christmas now, right? So, we are re- Tell them when we're, we're recording this on December 27th. 27th of December, 2018. That's right. And uh, this will be our first episode coming out in 2019. Hopefully, we'll get more out the, this coming year than we... Than we have in the past. I think we will. ramp it up a little yeah. bit. But the holidays were great. I had a lot of family over, and it was all good times. I actually got uh, Shell got me this this huge glass clock that looks like a record, and the the arms on or the hands on the clock are you know there's the what do you call it the uh, needle the well the uh, sound it out. Charades is bad. This is audio only. It doesn't work on podcasts. No. What are you doing? Yeah, the uh, the the thing you pick up and you then you drop it down on the the needle, the, the arm, the, the, oh, the, 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 the arm, tone, the tone the, arm, the tone arm. You think I'd know these terms? <laughs> I was of no help. I usually I get by with just charades. The minute in second hands, yeah, is a long tone arm and a short one. The minute hand is the tone arm, mm-hmm. and the hour is just the standard little one. Oh, oh okay. But it's on a big record and it looks kind of cool. And and she said, yeah, you put that anywhere you want, which is really that's actually that's that's earned somehow to to get the OK to put stuff anywhere in the house. Sure. Especially when it's music related, because I mm-hmm. was able to negotiate the, you know, what, twenty three, twenty four hundred plus vinyl records in the living room Man. area. But uh, but so there's this big gaping spot on our wall by our by the by those records. Uh huh. Kind of held it up last night while she was on the phone with somebody, which <laughs> was probably was the best time when she was distracted. <laughs> how, how about here? And she's, she just kind of pointed down at the records like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. so that's that's probably going up later. But uh, uh, yeah, the holidays were, were really great. Had everybody over. And uh, like I said, the only thing that went wrong during the holidays was last night. And I'm, I'm, I'm in bed and I'm enjoying some, some eggnog and thought I'd watch a little something and I flipping channels and there's all those year end specials of, you know, recapping news and whatever, you mm. know, big stories of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to watch any of that. I will watch a movie or something. And uh-huh. I come across deliverance <laughs> and, and I got locked into that. Well, yeah, cause it's a great, great movie. It's a great movie. But, oh, this disturbing. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, yes. the holidays are ruined. Um, so John Borman, uh, directs the movie. Great. It, it is. It's a great movie. So there was a story uh, that was going around and it, it kind of got rekindled uh, at, during, you know, when Burt Reynolds passed away. Mm-hmm. And the story is that early in the movie, Burt Reynolds character goes, he's, he's in the raft, but he goes over a waterfall and Burt Reynolds had been a stunt man and 
prided himself on doing stunts. Mm-hmm. And but John Borman told him, "Well, we're not. You're not doing that. We're not getting a stunt guy either. We're just going to use a dummy in a wetsuit because mm-hmm. your character and just gonna, it's just going to go for a while. So Burt Reynolds says, "No, no, no. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing the stunt. I'm doing this." He calls them gags, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm doing this gag. So then he has, and Burt Reynolds has his own stunt guy who went, went on to be the director of Smoking the Bandit and all, and, mm-hmm. and, all those, and, and his name's now escaping me. I could, I could come up with John Borman. I can't come up with the other guy. Well, I couldn't come up with Tone Arm. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, um, so Reynolds and his guy, they work out how to do this. I don't know how you can even prepare or, or choreograph going over a waterfall. I don't know if that's possible, yeah. but somehow they, so they do the shot. Bert goes over the waterfall. Gets knocked unconscious, right? He's out for a couple of days, of course. <laughs> and he comes to, and and Borman, the director, comes to visit him bedside, you know, as he's recuperating. And and uh, Bert uh, says, "Yeah, I think he'll be all right." And he says, "Hey, uh, John, did we uh, did we get the shot?" And uh, Borman says, "Yeah, we we got the shot, Bert." And Bert says, uh, "How's it how's it look?" And Borman says, "It looks like a a big dummy going over a waterfall." <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Here's the weird thing. Okay, now this is could be a very long-winded tale, but hey, go for it. It's why it's we're what here. we do. So, back on the LSD tour, um, the replacements came up a lot, probably because I brought them up a lot. <laughs> really, <laughs> I think yeah. And um, someone reminded me of the time that so the replacements went on Saturday Night Live at one point, and they may or may not have said something on air that you couldn't say on air. Mm-hmm. Still debatable. But Lauren Michael swore that they would never come back. They're just, you're banned from the They're show. They're on that list. They're on that list. And then eventually the replacements break up and Paul Westerberg's now a solo artist and he gets booked on Saturday Night Live. Now the theory is that Lauren Michaels probably had no idea that Paul Westerberg used to be in a band called oh, The Replacements right, right. who've been banned. Paul's drummer uh, is Josh Freeze at the time. Mm. And uh, and they do can't hardly wait the old replacement students with horns right, and it's a great performance of it. Now in the song, there's there are two breaks, and, and uh, right before the, I guess they came back from commercial right before they went, Westberg runs up to Josh, and says, "During the long break, just yell something." <laughs> That's what just, just yell something, and Josh. What? At three, two, one, I think whoever it is, uh, Christopher Walken, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Westbrook, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they do the song and you get to the break. And I don't, I've seen this. I remember watching it when it aired and I didn't recall this, but, um, but I was reminded and you go back and YouTube it. It's just obvious that when they get to the break, there's this pause and you hear from behind the drum kit, Josh Freeze yells is Burt Reynolds. (laughs) <laughs> and, it, and it cracks Westerberg up. He goes up to sing and he blows the line because it's just why, why? You? So this story was in my head and I had shared the story with somebody um, one afternoon. And then later that day, I went to a Dodger game with some friends mm-hmm. and we took a, a lift car or, or one, of, one of the gypsy cabs and the, the, young lady who was driving asked each of us what we did for a living. And it started with one person said, why do this? And then the other person, and then it, I was the last one. Mm-hmm. Just, and what do you do? And mostly cause I wasn't, I, I just, I said, I'm a show off. 
which is lifted from Smokey and the Bandit, right? And so, and she says, well, what does that mean? I said, no, no, I, I play guitar. And I, and I said, I, I stole the joke from, from Burt Reynolds. And then I start retelling this Burt Reynolds replacement story. It's like, it's, it, and, and then the next day the man passes away. It's your fault. And I felt like it was my fault. Oh my God. Oh, oh yeah. So, um, and, but then, so we, of course we played, we were playing smoking the bandit recently here because my, my daughter had not seen it. Oh. And, uh, She's currently reading two different Dickens novels, but she's also quoting all of Jackie Gleason's lines from Smoking the Bandit. <laughs> yeah. And she pointed out that a very Gleason is always raising his index finger. It's never his middle finger. He's it's his index finger. And somehow it's a brilliant move. It's almost more offensive. <laughs> well, it just shows that he's even more frustrated. The man looks like he's gonna die right, right. there on set. He he's a, a color of purple mm. that is just and in his veins, and he's just, it looks like, like Gleason's gonna just pass out every time he does those scenes. His eyes are coming out of his skull and he's screaming. But daddy, <laughs> oh the top God. came off. Oh my God. Oh. Okay, so moving on. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Burt Reynolds, he'll be missed. Yeah, and uh, speaking of deliverance, and, and yeah, I think, uh, so at, at the end, this is on uh, Turner Classic Movies last night, and the, the guy that's hosting that, uh, was doing what uh, those other hosts before him would do and sort of give like a background mm-hmm. on stories about the directors, the actors and whatnot. And uh, said, oh yeah, all, all, all four of the guys in those uh, canoes were, were, they pretty much did most of their stunts, which was a natural yeah. thing for Bert. Um, he had done that quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just thinking, man, couldn't Ned Beatty just get somebody else to do certain stunts <sighs> in that film? Um, that scene changed a lot uh, for people and I remember seeing uh, Ned Beatty in an interview saying that after that movie came out uh, to, you know pe- men come up to him uh, men who've suffered abuse of some sort that there's just he will always there's certain people that m- m- just feel very close to him because he did that scene mm-hmm. just to, and it's yes it's horrific now oddly enough though uh Tourism went up in that area. What was that? Northern Georgia, I think. Or, oh, of course, now I'm blowing uh, the actual location, but whatever part of the mountains it was, mm. tourism went up. And here's the other odd thing a little side story. For canoeing or just for the, the potential of being, you know, hunted? <laughs> One has to wonder. <laughs> One has to wonder. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Uh, this Tourist is, dollars. This is before, this is before uh, bungee jumping. Yeah, a lot of other death-defying yeah. stuff. Um, when they were making that movie, and I don't know how I know this, when they're making that movie, they couldn't get Coors. They couldn't get Coors. There just there no distribution of Coors, and <laughs> the low and the crew all drank Coors. So they somehow figured out a way to ship cases of Coors beer over there, so they'd have something to drink after these long, muggy days of shooting. Mm-hmm. But what happened was the crew, by the end of the day, the crew would go get to get some beer, and the Coors is all gone. It's like, what? Ha- it was here. I saw it here. There's pallets of it. It's gone. Well, since you couldn't get it in that area, the locals were running off with it because you could sell it for, like, I don't know, 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, use some exorbitant. It's an import. <laughs> <laughs> and this inspires the very, very thin, but uh, necessary plot line of Smoking the Bandit, oh. of, of transferring okay. a commercially available okay. across state lines. Yeah. So, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, what's this show about? 
All right, but how was your holiday, my friend? Good. It's uh, you know what we uh, we we keep it simple. We don't go anywhere, mm-hmm. and and the whole thing is we just go to on Christmas Day we go to Chinatown and we get a roasted duck, and uh, and uh, and bring that back home. We just have duck and some champagne and just keep it simple. Yeah. Although the week before I went back uh, uh, with my daughter, we went back to my hometown, uh, which um, was nice. It was nice seeing the family that sort of stuff. And and oh, while because we're Latinos. Uh, a baby was born while I was there, and then a baby was born like maybe two days after I got home. It's oh, just, wow. just, they're just, yeah, they're just multiplying. It's like, uh, it's like, like gremlins. Like someone just added water. Hey, <laughs> by the way, how, where do you find on that the uh, whole Die Hard is that a Christmas movie or not thing? Where do you fall on that? That's tough because that's I I, I maybe say yes only using the same rule book that I use for choosing certain Christmas songs on my playlist. Oh, what is that? Because sometimes I'll choose some songs like, well, okay, for example, uh, what's the Joni Mitchell song, River? It's not a traditional Christmas song, uh-huh. but I call that a Christmas song. It's a little melancholy, but it's not there's, It's well, not Silent Night. It's not Little Drummer Boy. There's many melancholy Christmas <clears throat> songs. Yeah. Uh, but there's, uh, okay, Father Christmas. <laughs> you know. <laughs> eh. <laughs> Somebody's getting hurt there, but, but it's okay. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so what quality? Because here's a um, we're gonna I'm gonna steer away from the Die Hard thing, uh, which by the way, it's just it's an action movie that happens to take place during Christmas. That's all. Because because it, it, yeah, is Gremlins a Christmas movie? Okay, yeah, this this could really. By the way, this could get out of hand. First act of Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman desperately needs to get a job so he can prove to the court that he's. Employed, otherwise he loses the share, possible custody of, of, of his son. Mm-hmm. So he's desperately trying to get a job, and of course it's Christmas time, and he and he he's trying to get a job interview at at a time when this firm is having the Christmas party. So is Kramer versus Kramer also a Christmas movie by this weird diehard logic? Yeah, I mean, and, uh, maybe I'm the wrong person to define certain parameters on that. Uh, all right, fine, it's up for debate. Now, to the baby, it's cold outside. Jukebox yeah. graduate discussion. <laughs> uh, so how do you feel about that one I'm fine with the song I mean the the reference to what's in this drink mm-hmm. I, did, I never looked at it as though you know somebody slipped something in there it's just like oh this one's just mixed a little strong and right. I've had too many it's going to my head mm-hmm. which uh, would, wouldn't that have the isn't that the same goal though of slipping something into the drink well there's wishful thinking and then there's like actually inserting yourself into the equation to make that happen um, but if he's pouring the drink and he's making them stronger and stronger he's playing a longer game than than slipping perhaps and then now it all depends on who the 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 male in this or I guess it uh-huh. could go the other way too I don't know yeah, sure. but uh, you know Shell's a big Dean Martin fan uh-huh. and she's all either way I don't mind as long as Dean Martin's the, the guy in that song. <laughs> right. uh, so uh, here's what I find interesting. Now, I there's certain parts of the, I, I like the harmony. I like the melody and harmony of the song, particularly yeah. the oh, Ray Charles, Betty Carter version <clears throat> is great. Um, although the Sarah Vaughn, is it Sarah? Oh, gosh. I'm blowing this now. Uh, no, it's not Sarah Vaughn. Uh, I'll have to look it up. There was another version. With Louis Armstrong? No, yeah. no. It's the male is like hot lips page or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but in this version, the woman is the, the female singer. She inserts her own asides, which make it very, very clear that she wants to stay. Mm-hmm. And we were and if you remember, like in the, it may have been in the nineties for a moment there, the song actually had become a bit of a flag for feminism, meaning that 
this was at a time when he's helped, she wants to stay and he's helping her with at her encouragement to come up with public excuses for why she should stay mm-hmm. because it would be unbecoming if the neighbors, you know, what, what would the neighbors think sort of thing. Um, uh, I mean, I, but I was never a fan of the lyrics of the, I always thought it was a little odd, but mm-hmm. Um, and especially as time marches on, it's, it's yeah. it came across as dated and, and, and unintentionally. Well, you can also go back to all the songs about, uh, what was yes, it, Ringo singing, uh, Sweet, yeah. she's 16. I think that came up on, <laughs> recently when he was on Harrod Stern, in fact. So yes, we could do that. Revision, we can revise history all we want. No. Or, uh, but here's the, what I found interesting wasn't so much, okay, here, so what, what happened was two radio stations, two terrestrial radio stations, right? One in the somewhere in Ohio, I don't know if it was Cleveland or Cincinnati, and then the other in San Francisco. They just decide they're not going to play, they're not going to include that song in their Christmas playlist. In a world where I hear people complaining about hearing too much Christmas music, <laughs> two out of how many radio stations in the world decide, well, here's one we won't play, and people complained. Now, they didn't, now, the song was not outlawed. Right. No one removed it from your playing devices. And unless you live in those two cities and still listen to terrestrial radio, you were not affected by this. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, maybe listeners of those radio stations process, no, 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 put the song back. And maybe they responded. But my point is the reaction to two radio stations not playing that song, I thought was a little, a little too much. Yeah. That the was outrage was, it was, it was, it was not comparable <laughs> to the actual what happened. Because I'll tell you what, I heard the song plenty this year. I didn't, the action of two radio stations had no, no, you still got your had fix. no bearing on whether I heard that song or, yeah, or not. Yeah, and by the way, there's plenty of more great, great, great. And by the way, it's not a Christmas song. No, it just takes place. It's a where winter it's, song. You're right, exactly. It, I, I know I'm, I don't have the lyrics in front of me because it looks like a, <laughs> Like a police report. No, <laughs> no, no. But uh, I don't know if there's a, even a mention of uh, a direct mention of Christmas anyway. So we could yeah. always debate on that. But, but there's other great Christmas slash winter maybe, holiday songs. Maybe that we, can maybe we do that next to. year. You and I uh, are around uh, the pre-holiday mm-hmm. period. Maybe we come up with our own non-traditional Christmas songs, songs that could be Christmas songs, but maybe they don't mention Christmas. Now, we discussed this last year around the same a little bit in terms of what what a traditional Christmas song is. Clearly, and we can get in and, you know, we try not to get too controversial, but I think things from uh, obviously uh, religious songs centered on the holiday, they're all in. Mm -hmm. They're all in. That's automatically included. And I actually think that we probably don't hear... um, there's probably plenty more out there that we don't get to hear. They just didn't rise to the po- they didn't rise to the popularity of Silent Night and those things. And and it'd be nice if someone made an effort to push more of those tunes. Right. Um, and then uh, I'll tell you what kind of what's what kind of because um, we we use a Sirius XM here in the house, and there's a, a, a few there's a variety had a of few stations. stations right yeah. But after a while, I I uh, they're they're too they're too defined. Uh, I would prefer a little more of a spread. I like to go mm-hmm. from something from the Phil Spector record to something from the Dean Martin record 
to something from the 80s, very special Christmas. I'd like to hear right. the Band-Aid, Do They Know It's Christmas? And then I'd like to go back to Bean Crosby and yeah. without having to But, you know, and maybe there's a channel, a station out there that plays all of that. And I just haven't found it's it. It's called a playlist. Put it together. Oh, God. <laughs> More holiday preparations for Eugene. Uh, yeah. So those are, so I'm sure people will write in. Hopefully, Have we been hearing from <laughs> <With> their complaints? <laughs> That's fine. You guys going to stop talking about movies and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, but some people wrote in about the, the Hall of Fame, no? Uh, yeah, we did have some people uh, comment on our, our scorecard for uh, our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went over the, the nominees in the last episode. Yeah. And uh, it looks like seven artists or bands got in mm-hmm. out of, I think, the 15 or so that were yeah. nominated. And so we rattled off back and forth who we felt should get in or not get in and for why. And I again, I apologize for my John Prine suggestion. I just love John Prine so much, and I just wanted to get to, some why extra are you apologizing? attention. Because <laughs> he's that wasn't the only he's one. Not really, he didn't change rock and roll. <laughs> I just want him to to get stuff. Yeah, I want him to get <laughs> stuff. Because <laughs> John Prine's okay. Yeah, <laughs> as the T-shirt used to say. Uh, need that shirt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we gotta find that for you. But yeah, so we we uh, I want to thank the listeners that were uh, were noting how we were doing on our picks and yeah. uh, paying attention. And uh, and then I noticed several listeners were actually posting a lot of their own videos of some of these artists that they were really hoping would get in. It was kind of neat to see oh, that cool. um, Devo being one of them that uh, I, I think yeah, someone someone gave me a hard time about Devo. Most people uh, were a little off about that one. I think maybe that's the one big. I, that was my question. Who 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 seemed to be snub? Maybe. Was that the big snub? I think so. OK, well, at least from what I saw. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, but the, the ones that got in. Yeah, who got in? Let's see how we did here. Do we remember what our picks were? I'm pretty, yeah, I do. The Cure. Uh, I said no, not I yet. I said no, not yet. Def Leppard. No, not yet. Uh, same. Yeah, I wasn't sure they should ever be in there, but okay. Janet Jackson. I, I said no. I said yeah. I said no. <laughs> I'm clearly bad. At this. Stevie Nicks. I said no. <laughs> Stevie Nicks already has a place there. Now she has two chairs at the table. Oh, this reminds me of a story. Rem- just, Is it about a movie? Uh, it's n- in. No, Go. no. No, finish the list. I, I just realized. Oh, okay. So Stevie Nicks, which Stevie Nicks. we felt no, she's already in for Fleetwood Mac. That's fine there. Uh, Radiohead. We were in agreement about that. Absolutely. We got a point. Okay. Yeah. Roxy Music. Absolutely. Yes. And I can't remember what I, uh, Zombies, I don't, I don't know if I. I think you s- ran out of room. I don't listen to the show. <laughs> so you have me at a disadvantage. Well, yeah. A to Z. That was probably, we ran out of tape at that point. <clears throat> we lost. They always lost because they were the Z. So I think we, so we the only, zombies got in. We accurately Which, picked like way, two or three, maybe. Yeah, I only got like two. Um, zombies, and I had said no, although I adore that band. I just didn't think there was enough. I, yeah. I, I, on the strength of Odyssey and Oracle, I'm curious as to how they got in. Now, that's the other thing about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Back in the early days, <clears throat> if you're uh, cynical enough, you saw it as essentially something that that served the triumvirate of of uh, Ahmet Erdogan, head of Atlantic Records. Yeah. Jan Wanner, who I think I'm saying that right, the editor of Rolling Stone magazine, and essentially John Lindau, who was Springsteen's manager and went on to manage Shania Twain and Natalie Merchant, but, but a very seemingly a very powerful guy. And so you have these three guys that the that really ran this thing. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the early years of the, you could see how people that got inducted, it they could all easily be tied to those three people. It almost kind of I don't know if I call it a vanity project, but they were certainly <laughs> pulling all the strings yeah. to where you thought, well, how the hell did they get as, oh, okay, I get, I get the connection yeah. now. Now, uh, Ahmet has passed on. Um, 
I don't think Jan is in Rolling Stone magazine or just public. I mean, it's just, I don't think he has the power he used to. And John mm-hmm. Landau um, is older and, and he, he's, he's kind of mostly retired. Yeah. I is think, he managing really. anybody? Else? I don't know. You know, so with those three gone, essentially gone, I don't know how to figure out the new how politics. Works, yeah. yeah, exactly. Which kind of, maybe I'm a little glad that I don't. Cause then I was like, it's a little bit of a head scratcher to me, but, but to the Stevie Nicks thing yeah. a couple of weeks ago, so they what Fleetwood Mac did a stand at the they played the forum I think so yeah, yeah. and uh, and it was the last week of school before winter break came in and it and it seems like every day involved uh, the preparation and delivery of baked goods to like eighteen different functions involving our daughter okay and um, so we had she and I had to make some cookies for like a cookie exchange party mm-hmm. at the thing. And so we hustle over to uh, Albertson's, which is near her school. And uh, walking at, the, at roughly the same time is Neil Finn. Oh. Uh, formerly of Split Ends and Crowded House yeah. and of a, about a long, great solo career. And now one the essentially the vocal replacement uh, for, for Lindsay Lindsay. Buckingham on mm-hmm. this current Fleetwood Mac run. And, uh, and I've never met the guy. Uh, he certainly has been a, a, a favorite of mine since, oh, I know. since the early days of MTV. I know. And so I think, oh, that's kind of wacky. And, but I'm not going to, unless I'm standing next to him in the aisle, I'm not going to go out of my way to meet the guy or say anything. But somehow you're shopping for the same stuff he's shopping for. No. And <laughs> Stevie next CDs. No, but what does no. happen is at the, uh, at the checkout, I realize I left my wallet. In, in, in my car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I tell, I tell our daughter to stick here with the groceries and run out. I got to grab my wallet. I'll be right back. I tell the cashier the same thing. So, so I run out to the parking lot and guess who's parked right next to me? Stevie Nicks. No. Oh, that was a terrible game. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes. So yes it's, 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 no, it's, it's, it's Neil, Neil Finn. Wow. And, 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 uh, so now and we're, now it's, I, I got, well, yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll say hi. So I introduced myself. He was lovely. Uh, I congratulated him on on his year because I'm sure this thing came out of the blue yeah, for him. Right. And it's going well into it's next a great year. Gig. Great gig. And I had, I, and I'm just so out of it. It, not, it had not occurred to me that that they had just played the night before. Yeah. You know. Um, but he says he's loving the gig and, you know. Uh, and then he was, he, uh, was, he had a lot of soccer gear in his car and uh, so balls were spilling out. So, yeah. so he's probably there to get baked goods as well for the soccer. I'm thinking either kids. orange wedges. Remember back <laughs> orange in the day? Wedge. Oh, it's yeah. gotta be orange wedges. Trust me. So, um, so the Stevie Nicks thing reminded me that I met, I met, uh, wow. Neil Finn at That's the grocery cool. store, which was where you're supposed to. Yeah. You remember to go back in and get your daughter, right? Oh no. Okay. Look, uh, just, just edit this out. We gonna do what they say can't be done We've got a long way to go And a short time to get there I'm eastbound just like old bandit run so that was so yeah so that's the uh, the roundup on the, on the rock and hall of fame is we're just you know what we're doing we're cleaning out the shelves end of the yeah. year we're just cleaning out the, the kind of everything's on sale everything's on sale uh the topics we didn't get to uh, throughout the year mm-hmm. Real, so i don't know if you i've always meant to, to mention the rock and roll memoir 
more and more of them are coming out, right? Yeah. More and more people are, mm-hmm. are if you're still alive, you want to get your story down on, on What the do you page. remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to get it now. So uh, now, so some of these, a few of these books I want to mention, it's not that they came out this year. They've been out for, for a couple of years, yeah. but you're a big fan of the band. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you read Robbie Robertson's memoir. I have not. Really? I'll be right back. Really? Smoking the Bandit Q right there. Did you really not read it? I, I haven't had time. Oh, okay. I did get into the uh, the Astro Weeks, uh, the Ryan, oh, yeah, Ryan Walsh book. Yeah. That's really, really good. Yeah. Um, but that one sits almost, that's more of a, a, a social history book that just kind of focuses on Boston in 1968. And yeah. All the things surrounding In context, it. yeah. In context. So, but you, you read the LaVon Helm memoir that mm-hmm. came out years and years yeah. ago. And in that, Robbie doesn't come off well. Right, yeah. In LaVon's telling of the story. Mm-hmm. And for years, Robbie was the bad guy. Just collectively, all fans, it, it just he just stuck out there as the bad guy. And I could see some of it. There's There are many, many, many shots of him in the last waltz. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he did end up with a lot of the, the rights to the music and there's a, he clearly had the in with the record company and he was, but, but I always reserved, uh, acrimony towards him. I always, because I kind of wondered, yeah, but, uh, wasn't Robbie kind of correct in his prediction of why they should just stop? I mean, they, he quits the band the band doesn't actually fold. They actually kind of they do go on without him. Mm. The, the the remaining members yeah. they kind of go on, and 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 Richard does kill himself while on the road, right? And 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 Rick's health does get worse because he didn't. I'm, I'm just saying that maybe Robert Robbie Robertson had a point. Also, um, by all accounts, the more you know about this band, though, you realize that as as they began, they put those first two records out in the late 60s and they're landmark records and everything's going great and they're very, very successful and they go on these big tours and they do the big Dylan tour and, and they've got this great kind of a second act because at first they're this, they're this bar band, the Hawks. Right. Then they get the Dylan the break, Dylan gig, yeah. which is great, but then that kind of goes dormant for a while and then they become their own thing and then they go back out with Dylan in 74 and make albums with them. All that. Um, but you know, as the years went on during that second act and things like oh, there's a lot of addictions going on and a lot of people aren't taking care of themselves. And I kind of imagine Robbie just being the one who, and he was no angel, but he probably had his, his act together a little yeah, more than he the was, others. Yeah. So when it was a time for, Hey, look, the label wants to talk to us about yada, yada. Maybe Robbie was, was the only one. He was the reasonable one to go to. <laughs> he was the only one who showed up. And when it came time to making certain decisions, Maybe it was just like, well, I, I guess we'll do this because no one else. Is, I think he just had to take charge, yeah. kind of like Paul towards the end of the Beatles. Right. It was just like, well, look, someone's got to say, hey, let's go and record today because otherwise everyone's just going to hang out in their gardens. Right. <laughs> so. um, So the Robbie book is interesting, though. Here's what I like about the Robbie book. It, it does. He doesn't spend too much time. Focused on defending himself. He's just telling his story. But what's interesting is, and it, it, you read through, it's great. All the early days, and he's, you know, and great little detailed stories about this and that. And uh, and then it, we get to the last waltz, you know, the final concert mm-hmm. and the, the making of the movie and everything. And then, and then it's, it's just over. It's just done. He's just out of there. <laughs> nothing about his solo career. Nothing about, like, 
it's just done. It's almost, and I don't know whether he made the decision or some publisher said, you know, I don't know if anyone really wants to hang out it, for the next 35 years. Yeah, it probably just mirrored what people do know of him or like about him and just stick to those call. topics. And, he just, yeah. And I kind of appreciated that. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, Robbie, Robbie's, Robbie's kind of comes across like he's, he knows what I'm interested in and he's, uh, He's yeah. the he didn't overstay waste, his didn't welcome. waste either of our time. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, and uh, so yeah, you'll you have to read that. It's okay. it's it's really. I, I think you'll get a lot. I know of you that. mentioned it. I, it's on my list, and I know you mentioned the Chrissy Hine book as Reckless. well. Reckless. That thing. That thing is uh, brutal. Yeah, that thing is brutal, and that also, but very similarly, it's her childhood, uh, her young adult life. Um, uh, just crazy, just craziness, just craziness. All before she's well known. That's the thing about this. Like it's just the craziest life, and she's not Chrissy Hind of the Pretenders. Mm-hmm. And then she gets to the part where she finally does form that band. That those that original band comes together. They make that first album very quickly. That first album is one of my desert desert island albums. Yeah. Um. They tour. They come back. They make the second one. Um, and then at the end, of, and then they tour again. And by that point, it's like they got to get rid of the bass player because he's just out of control uh, with his problems. And then, um, in I think they 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 fire the bass player, and it seems like, or within days of that decision, the guitar player wakes up dead. And again, and then Chrissy just kind of spends a few pages kind of wrapping it all up. She's just, she's at it. Like she doesn't go on. There's many, many more pretenders records to come in the future, but she didn't really bother talking about yeah. that. She also gets out right when she thinks that I think this is the story that you wanted to know. And, and it, it all culminates for me. There's a sentence and I, I'm trying to remember this. She just said something about how that guitar player, James Hunnam and Scott is one of my big heroes. Mm-hmm. Gu- I'm sorry, Craig, one of my big guitar heroes, <laughs> not personal. Um, she just said, at some point, she says, "Let's face it. If if he doesn't come into the picture, you're not reading this book." Mm, she yeah. just says, "He's the X factor. He brought a melodicism to those songs that just wouldn't have been there. It would have probably just been another punk album coming out of London yeah. uh, in '79, but it wasn't. Mostly because of him and his playing." I realized when it, and in that sentence is late in the book. And when I got to that sentence, I thought this is, I didn't know it, but this was the reason I bought this book was to just hit this sentence. And I thought, okay, she gets it. Uh, and, 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 and I know I get it. Mm-hmm. We get it. Thank you, Chrissy. That's a great takeaway. Yeah. I really, so I, I can't read that much, but, uh, <laughs> but I did, uh, I did read the, uh, the new Keith Morris, uh, book, mm. my damage. Which I talked about uh, yeah. a little bit earlier on in the year, so I'd, I'd like you guys to check that out if you can, if you're familiar with the punk scene at all, and you want to know those little stories, uh, the negotiations to get gigs, and, and the problem club owners, and, and just the, the characters from band to band. But kind of like the Robbie Robertson thing, though. By the way, uh, was and, and in a way, the Chrissy. I think if I were to read the Keith Morris book, like as a lot of these, I now at my age, I. I side a little more with the property owners and the, <laughs> and the, the grownups in the room than I do. Like with Chrissy Hind, yeah. that early <laughs> early life stuff, I, it's just like a horror novel for the father of a daughter to read. 
it's just it's just the scariest thing to read. Yeah. I'm not rooting for Chrissy other than like I know she got out. Yeah, like, she gets and, out of there. <laughs> but but it's just like oh my god, one one thing after another. Like oh, so um, that's the thing, of course, and and definitely with uh, Trouble Boys, the 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 great great book mm. uh, about the replacements yeah. uh, by Bob Mayer, uh, which is just extremely frustrating to read and it's exhaust. I mean, it's a, it's a big book. It's a long book. Uh, it had to be a long book. Um, it never overstates its welcome, but boy, you do get exhausted with these guys. Mm. It's like, and I'm a big fan of the replacements, but I am very glad I was never there. I don't want a time machine. I don't want to have had dealt, dealt with them. I think that's how, you know, the book is accurate because yeah. it's like, Oh boy, this is, these people are not pleasant, you know, and they will, the only thing you can count on with these guys is that they will absolutely let you down. <laughs> uh, and I would love, we would love to have Bob on the show because uh, he, he's not just, uh, well, now I guess just the foremost authority on the on the replacements, but he's he's written about a lot of music and culture as well, and he'd be a fascinating oh, guest. That would be he, great. He, he spends time here in L.A., so we, we've got to bring him over. And also, okay. happy anniversary to he and, and Coco. They just celebrated. Oh, very nice. Um, so, yeah, so that's it's just part of... Uh, reliving rock and roll as a student of it uh, with these memoirs coming out. And, but of course I can only, only, only read these things as an adult now. And um, I'm sure I probably will put things in perspective. I'll never go back and read. I I read no one here gets out alive when I think I was 13 or 14. Yeah. That's the book on, on Morrison, right? Yeah. Or hammer of the gods was another one. That's the other one I read around the same time. I'm thinking I, I'm not even interested in rereading those books. (laughs) I'm just not interested, you know? Are there any coloring books that are? Um, there are now adult coloring books. Now it's not what you think. I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there was this uh, this really cool record store day item about three, four, maybe five years ago, and it was um, it was a Buck Owens flexi disc. Uh, they came in, I think, red, white, or blue. You don't know which <laughs> color you're getting, but it's inserted into um, an actual vintage. Buck Owens coloring book. I have the book. You have it. I have the book of uh, my friend, my friend Trish, uh, down in Austin, Texas. Uh, well, I've known Trish since we were kids in San Diego, really. But, uh, first time I visited Austin, uh, since joining Dwight, uh, it was like a, um, you know, congratulations gift. And it was the Buck Owens. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it came with a disc. Now, oddly, so then that night going back to the hotel after the show, I'm walking down the hall to my room and I'm holding that's, that's all I have in my hands. This <laughs> Buck Owens coloring. coloring book. And <clears throat> you know, uh, Kevin Bacon once told me never name drop. Uh, <laughs> but I see this man walking down, you know, coming down the opposite direction down the hallway, a man or woman. And, uh, and he's very tall and I, I slightly recognize him, but not right off the bat, but, um, and he's clearly, he's like, they're leaving. And, uh, and, and, He's I could tell he's distracted by what's in my hand for you that even at a distance. And then as we get closer, he's really keening in. And it was it's Tom. Uh, is it Schultz from Boston? The band oh, yeah. Boston. Yeah. They played and they were leaving. But he just kind of said, what, what is that? <laughs> so, oh, this is the this is my Buck Owens coloring book. You know, just, <laughs> like, where's yours? You know, right. It's government issues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I do. And it, at the time, God, our daughter was maybe four or five or so. Like, so I gave it to her. I was like, yeah. color in it if you want or not. It's either way. 
I think I showed it to Dwight and he thought it was a little creepy. That's no, it's kind of cool because actually I think it's, those, it's col- those coloring books were made way, way back then. Mm-hmm. And this record store day release, I don't think it originally came with a flexi disc. I think oh, okay. it was just a coloring book, but for record store day about four or five years ago, they made a flexi disc that Which was inserted as gotcha. a page. They found a stash of these old coloring yeah, books. Yeah, I don't know where Trish got it. So they it was just, untouched. They just paired them up. And Brilliant. it's like, oh, that's awesome. Brilliant. I, I need to get mine at some point. Yeah. Um, it, and by the rest, rest in peace, Roy Clark. Oh, my I'm God. From, yeah. From Buck to Roy. Yeah. I have. Yeah. There, there's a live album that uh, Roy put out that I don't think ever made it to CD, never went digital or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just I remember it from this uh, red plastic eight track my dad mm-hmm. had. And uh, I I everything about my first experience with that album. I remember, I remember how cold the hardwood floor was in my parents' bedroom where the stereo was, where I was hearing this and I'd hear that cha-ching, cha-ching, you know, when it would sure. change the, the tracks, but to hear Roy Clark, I, as a kid, I was more attracted to him being funny. Mm-hmm. I knew him from watching hee haw on yeah. television. So to hear him, just ham it or up. that odd couple episode. Right. Remember they would shoehorn people into episodes. Right. That, they and that was a really long song they put in there. Oh, yeah. He plays but, El Malagueña or something like that. It's Right, it's right. Just, that's great. It's, there's only three networks, right, at the time. <laughs> and one of the shows is so popular. It's like, we're just going to have Roy Clark just play classical guitar for three and a half minutes. While Klugman <laughs> and Randall just kind of look at him. Yeah. yeah that's Good amazing. times. Yeah. But yeah, so as a kid, I just... I was already affected by Roy Clark. And then uh, that same album, the one serious song that stuck out for me was uh, uh, Yesterday When I Was Young. And that's, through my whole life, been my favorite Roy Clark performance. Uh, Not his song. I think a lot of different artists Mm -hmm. did that. But his version of it was just, I I can appreciate it more as an adult because having lived and lost and, you know, earned my way through the world, you, you, you understand what that song's all about. And, uh, but as a kid, I just, I, there's something about it. I knew that was special, mm-hmm. but I think he eased me in with, by being funny in the first place. And, uh, I, I dug out that, uh, that eight track and, uh, believe it or not, popped it in my working eight track <laughs> player. Wow. Wow. And, uh, really? Enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed a lot of Roy Clark on the break, on the you, holiday break. You have an operating eight track player? Yeah. Hey, can you change the, 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 uh, horseshoes on my horse for me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm done tending to my, uh, my still. <laughs> Are we back to deliverance? Yeah, Roy Clark also kind of... Now, I'm happy to say that the tra- a certain tradition about Roy Clark still lives, and I think it's alive and well. And this is... And country music has always had this figure. Um, for Because the guy was a blazing guitar player. Mm. I mean, the guy, as a guitar player, just trust me, the guy was... Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just that he was very, very fast. Cause speed is a thing, but it right. was very articulate. And he could... He really, he could he could play he could play a classical piece and then he play a bluegrass piece and mm-hmm. then he'd play some jazz, um but but yes very congenial, always with a big smile, um the perfect host of anything he had all those like Roger Miller style jokes to throw in so what well, this goes back <laughs> to yeah but you know we you know Chet Atkins too though yeah. was on television a lot mm-hmm. and and maybe not as outgoing a personality as Roy Clark but um. There and, and uh, you know Joe Mavis had his own television show here in in, in Southern California back in the fifties. Um, the being a, a a white hot guitar player, it could have been enough, but for some guys it wasn't enough. And and the country genre 
and country music has a very special relationship with television too. That's, that's probably a whole other episode. Yeah. Um, but um, nowadays we see Brad Paisley. Very comfortable hosting an award show. Does funny commercials yeah. with uh, with Manning, uh, uh, or uh, or uh, or the mandolinist uh, Chris Thiel, who was uh, you know from uh, uh, Nickel Creek um, and and Punch Brothers. Now he's a, a he really could just survive. Just he could just do concerts uh, as a mandolinist alone. That would he could fill up his calendar perfectly well. Uh, he does beautiful adaptations of Bach pieces. Uh, along with just the bluegrass stuff he can do. But he's also really, really, it's, I've never met him, but a very, very nice person with a great personality. And so mm. he now, he took over the Prairie Home Companion. Oh. And it's now called uh, uh, Live From Here. Uh, but, uh, and he hosts it very, very, very well. And so, it, and, and though I, we, we miss Roy Clark, he's been out of the public eye for quite a while, but the figure that he cut, I think, is still being honored and being well served. There's still mm. people out there who, who can do. And Vince Gill did this for years. He he hosted, I think it was the CMAs, I believe. Um, but it's like, again, Vince could just sit and play guitar and people yeah. would flock yeah. to it. It's plenty. Um, even before he sings a note. But um, but there's something about that that ability to, uh, you know, Barbara Mandrell, and her sister, but Mandrell's just like this, you know, pedal steel oh prodigy God, yeah. And, but, yeah. but we could host a television show as well it's just, so um it's anyway so you multifaceted yeah and i like that country music uh, to this day so everybody complains about what it's not but i like to just kind of put a spotlight on what it what it still continues to be yeah. and, and good for country music and this is why it survives through so many changes so well oh, uh, yeah. so let that be a tribute to roy clark indeed mm-hmm. indeed well let's not make this a roll call of who we lost okay. this year because every year it's yeah, we, it, we take a hit true. That's true. But uh, let's do well, the let's roll call about, of who we have. That's right. And what we liked. Every uh, day. What, do you, uh, what did you like this year, Dave? This year. Well. And, and mind you, this all goes on the playlist. As a, <laughs> and so here's my massive list. So like I, I do these. I started this personally around 2005 or so. I started making my own little uh, mix CD uh-huh. of my favorite songs of the year. Mm-hmm. So in 2005, I decided to make a disc. Uh, I think it was like a 80 minute CD. I was going to say, well, you were limited to the amount of time limited to the CD, right? The media. And, uh, so 80 minutes max. Okay, great. So I started making my lists and, uh, filled up a CD. Oh, this is cool. Did it the next year. Hey, these are kind of neat. And I've done it every year since. But what I decided to do at one point was, you know what? This would be kind of cool to have a collection of the music of my life, my favorite music in my lifetime. So I went all the way back to 1969 when I was born (laughs) And I made annual collections that I call Dave's Faves. All right. So these are just my picks. They're not necessarily my picks as these are the most crucial songs out there. And here's why you need it. This is what does it for me. My collections, my picks, what makes me happy, which is what this is all about. Not making me happy, but like everyone, (laughs) like everyone listening to the show loves, probably loves music. And they probably love certain stuff or certain things move them. And we hope you all find that. And we're, we try to offer you some tips and turns to try to put you onto some new stuff right. if we can, or at least share something you might not have access to. Uh, so what I did this year, I've from the beginning of the year, I already start making my collection and then it's a battle of the bands after that new albums come out and this song will knock this song off the disc. And mm. by the end of the year, I've got 80 minutes worth of music that I've lived through the whole year. Do you and do I don't, like a March madness bracket? Do you have anything sh- set up? I really should. Yeah. I should uh, live stream it. And, <laughs> 
<laughs> Everybody plays your bets. It's like fantasy football. <laughs> <It's right. laughs> but uh, so my rundown this year, my 80 minutes worth um, chronologically uh, in January, uh, Glenn Hansard of the Swell Season put out a record called Between Two Shores. Uh, really love that. He's just a fantastic guy. Um, I met him and Marquetta from the Swell Season uh, at an in-store at Fingerprints many years back. Oh, was and it before or after the movie? It was after the movie. Oh, okay. And uh, what's funny is, uh, you know... The movie being once, by the way. Once, yes. Yeah. And please go see that movie. Here we are talking about movies again. Uh, uh, oh, I want to talk about movie, but it's, I'll ruin the ending for anyone who hasn't seen it. So I'll... But I, I love that movie. I, I love the way it ended. Uh, I love movie... Oh, With the credits and all? <laughs> um, uh, remember movies just had all the credits at the beginning? <laughs> right. And then it would just end. <laughs> yeah. um, no, no. So uh, I love uh, that movie because it's very... I think it's just very, very honest in certain ways. Um, not to go on about the life of a musician, but about people and the choices that they make. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt your, your list, but Glenn Hazard. But yeah, so when I met him, uh, it was after Once came out yeah. and he did a, an in-store performance that was great and he met every, they met everyone afterwards. And I wanted to get something. I'd watched that movie with my daughter. And so I wanted to get her something signed. She was back home up north. Mm-hmm. So uh, I bought my CD there. But beforehand, I knew he was going to be there. And I thought, oh, this will be funny. I'm going to pop into like a Walmart or a Target or something. I'm going to go to their vacuum section. And I'm going to find a replacement belt. Because Glenn's character in the, the film, he, he helps his dad out at a vacuum repair shop. Uh-huh. And so I got this replacement belt for, for vacuum. And I... <laughs> Bring it and uh, you put it down. Would you sign this for my daughter? And so he kind of laughs a little bit and he gets out the pen and he writes on it uh, uh, to Samantha. Good luck with the Hoover. Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so cool. That was one of my favorite autograph items I think I've ever That's good. had in my life. But anyway, uh, February brought us um, this Matthew Sweet tribute album called Altered Sweet. And there's a fantastic version of Someone to Pull the Trigger on there by Chris Richards and the Subtractions. Uh, in March, we got albums by Lucius, uh, The Decemberists, and Neil Young and Promise of the Real. I think we've talked about yeah. several of these already. Um, April, there was this Mountain Goats tribute album that was based oh, on a podcast oh, yeah, yeah. series. And we talked about that, too. There's a couple tracks on there by Ibibio Sound Machine and Lomelands that have really just, I, I can't shake these songs. I don't get tired of them. It's, it's just a beautiful album. Oh, also in April, Willie Nelson's Last Man Standing yep. record, which is one of, what, two or three records he puts out every year? <laughs> Prolific That was the guy. first one. Yeah, he's got a system down. You know, he, he really, he's able to write yeah. from the road with with that partner. Guy. Yeah. And, it, and so when he comes in to cut, name. they know what they're doing. Uh, yeah. It works. They're ready to go. <laughs> it works. Uh, in May, uh, a new album by Damien Hirado called The Horizon Just Laughed. Uh, also, we didn't talk about this one, but in May also, there's an album by Tracy Ann and Danny called uh, well, self-titled. Uh, it's a song called Home and Dry. You guys should check out. Uh, Tracy Ann is a, a member of Camera Obscura. Oh, I see. And if so, if you love that sort of like chamber pop kind of sound, right. that's like that would be up your alley. Uh, June, uh, new albums from Nico Case, uh, Richard Edwards and Bob Schneider. Also, uh, Nick Lowe put out a single which we talked about as well. Love that. And, uh, and Ryan Adams also put out a single uh, a song called Baby I Love You, a non-album track. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's worth tracking down. Um, around June, July-ish, uh, Clover put out their yeah. uh, first album in 
in decades. Yeah, that's and fun. We played a track from that last uh, last episode featuring uh, a lot of guests, Huey Lewis, uh, Elvis Costello, and so forth. We should play another one on this episode. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. Yeah, okay. okay. I think we Continue, I'm sorry. Uh, just a few more here. Uh, Cowboy Junkies, which we talked about, yeah. the album All That Reckoning. Um, and then that EP by uh, Underworld featuring Iggy Pop. Yeah. Uh, if you love either of them, it's a great way to explore the other artist if you're not familiar. Because I'm really not that familiar with Underworld, mm-hmm. but this pulled me in. And I love when it music does that, right? Good. Good for you. Good for you for being open to that. September, uh, I found a, a great track by Mike Doty uh, of Soul Coughing. Uh, I follow his Patreon, and he puts out like a song a day. And <laughs> so it's like a huge album. Catch up, Willie. <laughs> it's like 300 plus songs a year. <laughs> And I, I found one I really loved on there. Um, five bucks a month. I, I we'll talk about Patreon another time, but uh-huh. uh, uh, support those if you can. And then October brought the last three uh, favorite albums of the year for me. Oh. We talked a little bit about one of them, the new one, uh, "Look Now" by Elvis Costello and mm-hmm. the Imposters. And there's a seven inch by a, a band called Cigarettes After Sex. Um, a really interesting sound. The lyrics are very obviously very sexual, but. Um, these songs are kind of addictive. They put out a, a like couple of singles, this year, like the cigarettes uh-huh. and, and possibly sex as well. Um, but these, these songs uh, came out as singles this year. There's one called Sesame Syrup. Uh, I should check out. Uh, the last uh, song on my collection came out October 26th. We didn't talk about this album yet, but we did talk about something related to this album. Uh, Dean Wareham and Cheval Sombre uh, put out a self-titled album. And uh, Dean Wareham is a member of Luna, Galaxy 500. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a pretty prominent indie musician. Yeah. Um, this collaboration uh, features a cover song by Blaze Foley. Ah. They do a version well, called If I Could Only Fly. And it's oh, just, well, well it's, that's one of the big ones. Gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. Sonic landscape on that one. Now, so that's, is this part of the movie, the Blaze? No. No. Okay. No, but I, I, I had uh, talked with Dean uh, just a few months ago, and he mentioned that he actually sent uh, Blaze's uh widow right a copy of the the version just oh. to get her approval and she loved it oh good but um yeah I, and I, I told him i said you know I've, I've i'm only i'm less than one year into this blaze foley thing i yeah. discovered i told you this before on the show that i discovered it uh, uh that uh, my tales. judge show uh-huh. tales from the tour bus which is now back for season two yeah uh and the funk season the season <laughs> season one ended on this artist i had no idea who it was mm-hmm. there was a george jones episode there was a Waylon Jennings. and Who's Blaze? Who is Blaze Foley? Why would I care about that? And I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. I got turned on to somebody I didn't know was out there. Somebody who's gone has a legend, has a catalog. I'm in. Yeah, I'm diving in. And so this whole year, you know, we've now had I've tracked down all the music I could by him. Then we had that movie that came out that yeah. uh, Ethan Hawke directed or yes, produced, directed. And uh, and then to hear Dean Wareham uh, cover one of his songs on his latest album, like. It was just a lot of blaze. Yeah, it was like just a, a perfect, uh, perfect storm for me. So I loved it. Almost felt you touching me just now. Wish I knew which way to turn and go. But that's my Dave's Faves collection for 2018. Wow, look at you. As many of those as I can find on Spotify will show up on the playlist. But I'd like okay. to hear what you dug this year. Well, I um, just a few albums I'm going to mention. <laughs> it's not going to be as extensive. No, that was great. A very I, special five-part jukebox <laughs> graduate. <laughs> Thanks to Dave. <laughs> um, 
Dirty Computer by Janelle Monae, which uh, it's even just the the name of the the title of the album is is supposed to remind you of Prince. And then once you hear the album, you're thinking, yeah, that's not a mistake. Um, But it's also I got to figure out what's going on with all these Atlanta artists, because there's like there's just tons of great stuff coming out of Atlanta. And Janelle's one of my favorite performers. She's great, great uh, 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 showman, show person, Mm -hmm. Um, great dancer. Uh, very imaginative. It's kind of like a sci, like sci-fi soul funk. In, in that sense, it kind of reminds That's me of the cool. old <laughs> P-funk days. Well, just kind of remember, remember Parliament, and it yeah, was kind of yeah. there's a somehow spaceship there's a spaceship involved, <laughs> and Bootsy had the star glasses. And I don't know, what, yeah. but um, but it's very thoughtful and it's and, and it's very of the moment. N- never preachy, but it certainly um, does uh, reflect bl- being a, a, a woman being an African-American woman in, in America in, in 2018. Um, also, uh, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino by Arctic Monkeys, mostly because mm. I just miss Bowie so much. Yeah. And I and I love uh, Alex Turner as a lyricist, always loved the Arctic Monkeys. The, the, the level of detail in his songs, he always reminded me of uh, the best work of Ray Davis from The Kinks. Uh, a lot of the songs from uh, Madness would have these really detailed uh, what it's like to live in England at that time sort of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, England's always had one or two of those songwriters at any given moment kind of doing those real kitchen sink, kind of fly on the wall descriptions of life. He's really, really good at it. The band gets better and better. Uh, also, a rock band that doesn't shy away from the dance floor. I know I, I mentioned that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then also, uh, Tell Me How You Really Feel by Courtney Barnes. Um, it was a, a really good record. Heaven and Earth. Uh, by Kamasi Washington, a young uh, uh, saxophone player, and he like this is I think a I think it's technically a double album because I have it digitally. I, I know it comes in at just about under 150 minutes. I think his debut album was like a triple disc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the guy works, he works large. He works yeah. in big, big, big swaths, and um, uh, but just a a a, be- a wonderful composer, great player, um. And uh, some may be, I believe he played on uh, uh, Kendrick Lamar's Butterfly album. So some people may know him uh, through that. Um, Warm by Jeff Tweedy. And I I think I was just in the mood to hear Jeff Tweedy just himself in guitar. Yeah. I'm not always in the mood for that. I kind of like, I like the big rock thing, the dynamics of Wilco. But I think I was in the mood. I haven't read his memoir yet, but this is very much, I think, a companion piece to Was the this the record where he was reinterpreting some, or redoing some older no. songs, or was that the album before? That was the album before. Okay. Uh, also, I like the Pistol Annie's Interstate Gospel. Um, very, very clever stuff. Uh, great harmonies. Uh, just uh, This is a really, really good country album. Great players on this thing. Um, and from a, pharaoh, a fellow Grand Canyon kid, uh, Courtney Marie Andrews, an album called May Your Kindness Remain. Really, really good Americana stuff. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this. Yeah. I'm going to have to send it to you. Okay. Also, Broken Politics by Nana Cherry. Remember Nana Cherry? Mm-hmm. So um, she uh, has this uh, really, really interesting record. I think now this could get a little preachy for some in terms of politics. So I say yeah. buyer beware. Uh, but I liked it a lot. Also, uh, Free Yourself Up by Lake Street Dive. I'm always rooting oh, yeah, for those yeah. kids. Um, and then my two favorites, neck and neck. Uh, first, Leon Bridges, Good Thing. Um, 
Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I've spoken enough about this record, but uh, it's just it, it has not weared itself out. It gets better with each listen. I've come to trust the melodies and the different things that happen on this record. Uh, but that comes with listening to things repeatedly. But maybe the album of the year for me, though, um, the one that beats it out is, by the way, I Forgive You by Brandy Carlisle. You're feeling nervous, aren't you, boy? With your quiet voice and impeccable style. Never let them steal your joy and your gentle ways to keep them from running wild. They can kick dirt in your face. She goes for the big moments, uh, and uh, you know, she swings for the fences a lot. And I think she got, and, and great credit to her, the band, to uh, Dave Cobb, and to Shooter Jennings, uh, who. Uh, uh, was also a producer along with Dave Cobb on that thing. I think they, whatever their hand was on this thing, I think it was just the right touch. You know, speaking of Shooter, there, I heard that he's got a project in the works for this coming year. I want to say he's producing like a Duff McKagan album or something. Sure. That would, why not? Well, you know, I, of course, I'm, I'm forgetting now the name of the band. It's not, but you know, he, he had that history on the Sunset Strip. I mean, he had that band yeah. and the, um, so he's just a he's just a, a, a very, very talented guy, uh, creative guy. Um, he you know, was a computer kid. And so his I think he embraces technology at the same time as understanding kind of what's right about about things being wrong. And, I, and you know, and I think that also he has a he's not always interested in it being about him, which is why um, I could see him going into production and then kind of going off and doing a tour of an ass shooter Jennings is just, you know, um, over the years I've come to, to expect, uh, really pleasant surprises with, and then his name just showing up there. Like it, mm. it doesn't, doesn't surprise me anymore. And I think that's a, that's a heck of a career to build, you know, and, and he's got, he's got a long, you know, a long uh, road ahead of him and I, I can't wait to see what he, what he's involved with next. So, so that's his, yeah, as much credit to, and Dave Cobb, I mean, he's been on a, on a hot run for a very, very long time. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so I kind of want to send some kudos to Shooter and yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for anything in 2019 that, that yeah, Shooter has his hand in, that. pardon the preposition. <laughs> uh, let's see the, um, there's a couple of things that I, I had on my radar. Obviously I've already probably, you know, I have my 2019 Dave Saves collection already like prepared right now from songs that have already <laughs> leaked, you know? But yeah, uh, yeah. and there's actually there's a great uh, couple of Lana Del Rey tracks that are out. They're going to be coming on the next record. And there's a new Guided by Voices album coming out. And I've said this before. Robert Pollard, I believe, is currently the hardest working musician alive. I'm just going to make a joke about how much more can they put out. <laughs> and not only does he have uh, a new album coming out with Guided by Voices, but I've seen the track listing for the new album, mm-hmm. and it's. 32 songs. So, <laughs> nobody can keep up with that. Oh, so also in 2019, uh, Brad Samples' record is going to be coming out. The full length. The full length, oh, which good. features the song Break My Heart, which we played, played a couple of this years back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, since you mentioned Brad Sample, let's hear, uh, he, he has a great cover of a Ryan Adams song called Chains of Love. Uh, and so hopefully we'll be hearing this one on that full length coming up in 2019. Take it away, Brad. Sadness on the faces I can see the change 
can see the traces And everything you are to me Is buried in the spaces Between the sand and the chains Oh,
All right. That was 49er by Clover off their recent album, Homestead Redemption. And of course, that was John McPhee playing brilliant guitar as yes. usual. Um, now, I mentioned earlier something like with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing where we had some questions or comments from, from listeners. Um, yeah. You had a, there was a question someone wrote in a while back and we haven't gotten to it and it was about concept albums. Yeah. The last episode, uh, or prior to the last episode, I put some feelers out. Mm -hmm. What would you guys like us to, to cover and address? And there's one that rose to the top pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And that was this one about concept albums. Gotcha. Sort of a multi-question one here, but, uh, we, we teased it on the last episode because we ran out of time. We were going to do it then, but we're going to do it now. Concept albums. How do you feel about them? Mm Mm-hmm. Which are standouts for you? How does the meaning of a concept album change in a time where people can and do purchase individual tracks? That's a good point there. Mm -hmm. And does that just reinforce an echo chamber of songs we like versus an entire arc that challenges the listener? Concept albums, Gene. Concept albums, what are they? You know, it's like if I choose 14 songs and I put them on a playlist because I'm going to listen to them at the gym, isn't that my concept album? It's a concept. There's a unifying theme. It is a concept. So... (laughs) So, of course, the, the meaning is going to change over time, especially as we now can assemble our own f- albums, playlists. Yeah. We used to do this with mixtapes. Just like anyone can make a podcast. Just like anyone can make a podcast. Exactly. Yeah. No, no. Um, I mean, oh, growing up, yeah, they, they were cool. I, I wouldn't want to listen to too many uh, in a row in terms of concept. I mean, I, I like I've always had a very back and forth relationship with with Tommy. The, mm-hmm. the who's Tommy. Yeah. And I think so his towns in himself. And so like sometimes it's just, I just think it's way overblown and amateur. And then other times I just, I buy in. I'm just, I, I, I'm in. Um, so what are the ones you have trouble with? And what are the ones that you are totally fine with? Cause I could like, I could say Tommy has great moments, but I don't think I'll ever listen to that again. Start to finish. Oh, I'll listen to it. Start to finish. I still do every now and then. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, the wall, same thing. Same thing. Although I have to say, I do appreciate what Roger Waters has done recently with the live production of it. It's yeah. not oh, yeah. so naval. I mean, it's very navel gazing. It's very narcissistic. It's very woe is me rock star. Mm-hmm. And so again, as an adult, I just, I can't, I'm just not as emotionally invested in that aspect of it, but his more recent stage productions have opened up more about the ideas of war and ego. And, I think maybe because maybe he's matured a bit on, on the, on that subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so the wall, I don't know, man, that music is just indelible. I, I remember I, I think I had the flu over Memorial day weekend one year. I was maybe 14 and I just didn't want to go outside. I wasn't feeling well. I just locked myself up in the room with that, with the wall, the album and a guitar and an amp. And I just learned that out. Just oh, learned the wow. guitar parts from getting in. Um, it's fine. I, I think that, you know, <laughs> like other things, it's it's actually more, it, it, I think it's going to hit you when you're younger and you're you're formulating your concepts yeah, and ideas. Yeah, that's exactly when it got to uh, me. And I think it's much easier for me to listen to in the context of the film. Oh, sure, of course. That, that, I'll sit down for that, the whole movie, start to finish. But the album, yeah, I'm going to pick out the pieces, the non- the non-radio single pieces more <laughs> frequently than going to hear another brick in the wall again or comfortably numb songs that have been overplayed. But well, those yeah, are obviously FM- a draw to the album for people that aren't too familiar with the band. Yeah. Um, and then I don't really, I mean, I personally never really thought of Sgt. Pepper as a concept album. I, I think that there is a unifying, yeah, well, there's a unifying theme there. The photo shoot was a concept. Yeah. The presentation <laughs> was, was fine. And, um, 
But I never thought, by the way. But then again, you could wasn't it? Did Ray, was it Ray Charles hits the road, and he it's the album where each song had a a, a state title or city title. Yeah, I mean, that's, those and are kind of Sinatra records. did uh, concept Sinatra albums certainly too. did those. So I think there's some of those that I I dig. And then isn't any Christmas album a concept album? It is. Um, nowadays, that's what kind of strikes me is that, I mean there was like even you know. Uh, William Shatner put out a Christmas album this year. Yeah. Um, JD McPherson put out a really good, yes, that socks. Yeah. <laughs> again, let's add some JD McPherson to everybody at okay. the radio station holiday playlist. Everybody, <laughs> come on, pull is that this, one out. Is it let's so hard? Put this one in. Yeah. Um, so I'm fine with them. I just think that as I get older, it depends on what the concept is going to be. And I think, yeah, it's got to be interesting enough now because th- Christmas as a concept. Yeah. You go into target and there's your concept section. Mm-hmm. But when you get like uh, the Flaming Lips Zyrica album, sure. right, where you got to put, you get four, four turntables together, the start time. them all at the same time. That's something else. I don't know if I'm going to burn calories to get your concept, <laughs> but the but Dirty Computer, but you know, one of my favorite records of the year. That certainly is a concept album, and and, mm-hmm. and I. But it's interesting to me because, in this case, she's a young black woman in America in 2018. I'm not. So part of this is um, me listening to somebody else express what their experience is. And and it's funny because she actually puts it like like it's an alien form. Well, to me, it kind of is an alien form because mm-hmm. it's, it's a being that's different than me in some ways. Not in all. Um, so uh, the but I find myself as I get older. Also, I create my own concepts and, and glom them onto an album. Uh, so. Maybe because of the title of "By the Way, I Forgive You," I listen. Just the title put me in a certain frame of mind on the Brandy yeah. Carlisle record, and and even though there's a song directly written to one of her children, um, the whole thing sounds like she's. It's it's mostly an album that roots for the underdog a lot, mm-hmm. and certainly in, informed by the joke. Um, I thought that. So I, I my point is, I I think I kind of. I don't know if I need someone to, to really contrive a, a, a narrative um, or a little a little booklet worth of character and story uh, and make that and present that to a concept as a concept album to me. I don't know if I'd be as receptive to that right mm-hmm. now as much as I am. I throw me a collection of tunes made at one time um, and that's a concept. I'll most likely redefine it in my own brain yeah. as a certain concept. You know, I thought that the last Jason Isbell record was is close to, hey, here's what it is to be a Southern white guy in modern America. Um, and here's some of the guilt and non-guilt that comes along with that right now. Um, that's a tough concept. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you try, if you tried to make a concept album out of it, well, the Drive-By Truckers did make an, an actual mm-hmm. concept album and it was really good. Yeah. So we aimed our sides westward like so many did before. So, but I think if Jason had tried to do that, then it would have been, I don't know, didactic is the word, but it would have, you know, that had been a little preachy, but I don't think, yeah, I don't want to hear too much about, I don't know, flight of fancy and 
What about the ones that are not necessarily giving you like a theme of like, you know, underdog songs or whatever, but they, they actually will take you somewhere, put you in a, a world like uh, one of my favorite Frank Zapp albums, Joe's Garage. Uh-huh. And there's this, it's a futuristic thing, right. you know, government's outlawing music. Mm-hmm. There's this character called the Central Scrutinizer and and there's the usual, um, you know, uh, risque uh, Frank Zappa sure. content involved. I love that. Uh, that that's just a fun thing to dive into, and at any point, and just kind of explore what he's doing for what he's creating for you. Yeah. Um, but there are a couple of uh, sort of literary ones that I I've always held dear. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the Elvis Costello and the Brodsky Quartet version of the Juliet. Letters. Oh yeah, that was lovely. And that's a great. That is a con- you're right. That is a it's a concept album, and and I and the story there is that a, a professor somewhere in Verona. A yeah. professor mm. of English in Verona, Italy, yeah. found a box of letters of various people that had written, written. to Shakespeare's character, Juliet. Mm-hmm. Which, undeliverable. And returned to sender. Not, and you're not going to no. get a response. Yeah, so it was just like a dead letter office collection of right. stuff. Yeah. People probably in desperate whims of passion or fancy or we don't know, but they, and so the, so he took, they took some of those letters, the narrative of those letters, and songs on them. Missiles on a noble service Highly paid solicitors Find and close my sign divorce Set proceedings you endorse um, Yeah, so uh, there's, I imagine there's probably a few suicide Letters? Yeah, there's like a divorce letter. Divorce there. letter, there's yeah. A, yeah, there's there's some really cool stuff there. And yeah. that was, of course, like... That Sonic was clever. With, that was a, a change musically for Elvis, too, right. where he worked with the Brodsky Quartet, which, you know, you see a new Elvis Costello album on the on the map, and you're like, oh, and it's not a rock record. Right. You know, it's, so it opens people up to, okay, now I, I'm going to hear what he's saying because I'm in a totally <laughs> different element. It's not a loud, crashing, you know, uh, room. It's... A, these instruments are not familiar to me. And right. yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, that was a that's one. like a time machine. Uh, the other one that I really loved, I don't think you know this one, um, Richard Buckner, the hill. Um, no, that, that is all, uh, I don't know if you, I mean, do you count this a concept album? I do. Uh, it's all poems, uh, from the spoon river anthology oh, by Edgar wow. Lee masters. Well, I know the anthology. Really it's not, well. it's not all of them, but it's select, no, but, select ooh, poems that's from that. Wow. That's and, really and, and so he created the music to that and sang those lines and it, it really just puts you in that landscape. <laughs> and I wasn't familiar. This is another example of, you know, how I got turned on to something I was You're not educated. familiar with. I never read Edgar Lee Masters before. Uh-huh. I was aware I'd, 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 I've seen the books before, but not familiar at all. And here I'm getting them in song. And it made me go out and buy all oh, these good. variations of the book and uh, and and books that are about that about book. book. Yeah, know? and uh, I, those I, I think uh, Juliet Letters and The Hill are probably among my favorite great examples, favorite concept. Records. Great example. Um, so yeah, so so that's so I don't know if we answered the, uh, her questions about this, but but I think that's the take that. But it is interesting, by the way, because this year there were some young artists did put out some pretty long albums. I mentioned Kamasi Washington, but um, I, I think the the Post Malone album and and Drake. I mean, they put on they they meant you to sit down and hang out with these tracks for a while. Or yeah. I don't know if they meant for you to reshuffle them a lot, 
or or how those albums exist in the playlist world, which is really that's really the world where where the streaming world really is going to have a lot more to do with that. Or you're yeah. going to tie. I mean, even the, the Black Panther uh, soundtrack album, yeah. you could think of as a concept yeah. album. Uh, it's, you know, I think Prince and that Batman uh, album kind of really helped redefine that as like the, the single soundtrack oh. was just a bunch of songs, Seattle based, mostly Seattle based artists, but they were just a bunch of songs that, to reflect kind of what was playing in the air. Most likely but you know that those characters in that movie here, but but it wasn't like a concept album. One more I forgot to mention: mm-hmm. Lou Reed, John Cale, "Songs for Drella." Mm. Uh, you know, a song cycle basically about their relationship with Andy Warhol. Uh, this is uh, right after his death. Yeah, yeah, and uh, songs about specifically from the the Velvet Underground era. Mm-hmm. Songs about after Andy was shot by that. Was that a fan? Oof. Uh, yeah, all, all yeah, and just advice that Andy was giving them, mm-hmm. and and how poorly they treated him back, and <laughs> you know, it's just that it's a very touching set there. But uh, one more thing you just brought to mind here when uh, you had mentioned Prince, um, I don't know if this counts as a concept album, but was it the Love Sexy album that he issued on CD as one track? Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, so you couldn't you couldn't interrupt skip. the play? Yeah. Oh, that's very clever. It was one track. And you had to either scan through it and know where you were going, make notes like I need to get to 2306 or you sit down and you listen to the whole thing. And that's what he intended. Think of the shift in dynamics now, though, where in that case, the artist dictated to the audience so much in that in that case. And now it's sort of there's I mean, what can you like? Look, here's here's my tunes this year that I've got. I don't know how you're going to hear them. I don't know what order you're going to hear them. In fact, you could, you know, certain albums that do well on Spotify, but you can look because it's data driven. It's like, well, people are really kind of listening to these two or three songs in a huge number. And then the other 10 tracks are not barely. So we're actually getting a window into, I mean, if you bought an album by the cars in the mid eighties and you took it home, no one knew which songs you listen to what the most. popular ones yeah right, did right. you skip it did you just put it on the back now you see the stats know. on the screen yeah if we're to believe those stats yeah that's true so well sometimes when i pick out songs for our playlist if i'm if you mention an artist and i'm not familiar and you don't provide me with a song title uh-huh. i'm going to look at what's out there on spotify and i'll look at what's getting the most oh. plays and i'll sample those and then choose one from that because there's stats there for yeah. some reason You're doing your maybe own it's a bot i don't know R&D, who knows? So, so anyway, so yeah, concept albums as a concept. Yeah, fun. Fun stuff. All right. So one more thing that was, because it's the year end. Oh. <sighs> two more things. Sorry, two more things. <laughs> There's most very, very likely going to be a show in early February. Somewhere here on the east side of L.A. Yeah, I'm not going to say where yet. Just everybody stay tuned, I guess, to social media then. A friend of mine who played guitar in my band for years is having a big birthday coming up. And the only thing he wanted to do was just play some music with me and, uh, and Brian Whelan oh. and Mike Sessa on drums. Oh, and wow. so some, ver- and then back in the day, my friend John Hoskinson, we would trade gigs. Like we would split the bill 
and we would just use the same four guys. It just, mm-hmm. he would stand in the center and sing his tunes for one set and then we'd sometimes uh-huh. switch position or, and then we just do another set of my tunes, but it'd be the same. And so I think we're, it might shape up to something like oh, that. Oh, that's cool. I haven't seen John in forever. And, uh, so like I said, so just stay tuned. I, I can't announce the date or place exactly because things are still, and then honestly my schedule could change on a whim. So, sure. uh, but mostly early February, stay tuned. Hopefully somehow we'll get word out to it. And we'd like, uh, if anybody remembers those days when the, the Eugene Edwards man oh, and, yeah. and John Hoskinson stuff was playing, um, it should be happening, uh, for one night pretty, pretty soon. Please play chlorine. You know what? But John, John's writing the set list because it's his. Okay. I'll reach out to him. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) anyway, so that's one thing I wanted to mention to anybody who lives in L.A. Um, And also, uh, it wouldn't be a jukebox graduate episode if we didn't mention Bruce, right? That's right. And we're not doing a side pod. No, we don't need to. It's just that that Netflix, the the Bruce on Broadway thing, the album came out and then the, the, uh, I guess. uh, uh, The album came out on a Friday uh, as the. And it's the same weekend that the show was wrapping up on Broadway. Uh-huh. And then the Netflix uh, film aired on that Sunday. I got gotcha. you. Okay. So we, we've we obviously, you know, I've talked with Tom uh, yeah. about the, interviewed him on The Searcher. Tom uh, Zimney directed the Netflix special. Yeah. And he's been with Bruce for, uh, what, 15 to 20 years now yeah. doing his documentaries, concert films. And uh, this was his latest project. He's, uh, he's actually working on another pretty stellar project at the moment, but more on that later. In the meantime, Bruce on Broadway, uh, by Tom Zimney. Uh, yeah, it was a Netflix special. That's the only place you could get it. And, uh, it was, like I said, it was going to air on a Sunday, but the album came out on a Friday and it's there for me on Spotify. And I'm thinking, I just, (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the concept of this album and, and, and not see it while I'm hearing it. I want the whole, I want the context. So I held off and that was, that was a struggle to like not go on there and dig into the songs and the stories. So I waited until Sunday and I watched the whole thing in context. How did you take it in? I thought I was going to hold out. I, I I really did, (laughs) but I'm weak, but I'm a small, weak person. (laughs) Um, and, and, uh, and actually had I not. Okay. So on that day, I don't care to give details, but on that Friday when the record dropped, I found myself, I wasn't at home and, um, but I, I, but I had a lot of downtime. Uh, I was essentially on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's kind of not a whole lot more to do than to wait to do the show. And had I not, had that amount of downtime, I think I probably would have survived the wait a lot better. Cause then once I got home, I had a bit, in fact, I don't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had a chance to see the Netflix special on Sunday. Anyway, I was going to have to wait till later in the week as yeah. it is. Um, cause no one, no one in this house is interested in watching anything <laughs> other than me. Um, so I listened to the album. Okay. And, you know, found myself drawn more to the stories than, than the musical performances, yeah. which, I'm forgiving myself for that. Yeah. Um, I'm with you there. Lovely. You see like, since like the introduction of my home, or let's say I'm, I may be wrong, but let's say, just say he does my hometown, the song, my hometown, the introduction is seven and a half minutes long. The yeah. song's like two yeah. minutes. And I'm thinking that ratio feels right to me, uh, you know? Um, and, uh, he's very funny. 
I appreciated how much humor was in there. Uh, heartbreaking stuff. Um, and, and, but we've known this about Bruce, but th- I think this Broadway show kind of really, really puts it that over time he knows how to just, he just goes for the kill every yeah. time. Well, we've known, I mean, we, we've already been exposed to Bruce talking mm-hmm. for seven minutes at a time before well, that's songs. What, so that's like, what my mom said. She's like, well, this is kind of, this is when we used to go see him in the seventies. This was what, there was a lot of this. Yeah. You know? We're so it was no surprise there, but what this was, was, uh, him stringing together these songs that we've heard. At, at times with some of these stories or some similar stories, um, he strung them all together at one moment. Whereas we've maybe, you know, in 85, we heard his introduction to the river where he talks about, you the know, Vietnam. being drafted yeah. and all that. So, you know, we hear these things like that, personal stories he's telling. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like in the middle of a 30 song set. And there was like maybe five songs out. There's another story there somewhere. Right. The, what this is, this is, this is his life entirely. This is the whole show because a Springsteen show is not necessarily his whole life. Right, right. I mean, yeah, you'll get the river, but then you may get ramrod because he just wants everybody to dance. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, there's a rock show. There's a there's a show. There's going something on there. going yeah. on there. But this is him. This is the uh, pared down version of his book. If you had not read it now, if you did read it, it re- I recommend reading the book and then watching this because yeah. as these stories are being told in the smaller. Uh, quantities uh, or the smaller sizes, it helps you recall the greater scale of it from the book. So, you know, I mean, I know more about that uh, trip out West with Tinker than he told on the Broadway show, but still the way he strings these songs and stories out, these are all about him. And, and it really, and I've heard these, a lot of these songs so many times before. It's amazing that I was able to have to, to gleam some new meaning out of new several of jolt. these. Yeah. Because I knew the wish mm-hmm. about his mom and everything. I saw him do that, debut that, uh, at the Christic Institute shows in 1990 here in LA. And I remember getting a bootleg of that, <laughs> not my bootleg because I, one of my, I got busted bootlegging that one of those shows <laughs> and my cassette was taken, but they didn't get my second cassette. Anyway, I later found a bootleg of that show and I, yeah. I sat my mom down and I, I played her the wish because it to me it it outlined it's a nice mom song yeah and i wanted my mom to hear that i didn't write it but i yeah. want you to hear this because i i fully agree <laughs> this way, you yeah. know and uh and then you know uh my father's house and long time coming which uh tom zimney had said that that was one of those songs that wasn't on the set it was one of those uh just calling it at the line line of scrimmage during the broadway run yes oh, okay and, you know, basically he knows, uh, Tom knows well enough that you got to be ready for anything. Sure. And uh, that was one of those, that's his actual favorite part of that whole production mm-hmm. because it wasn't planned. There's just a spark of a campfire left burning. Two kids in a sleeping bag beside. Reach neath your shirt, lay my hands across your belly and feel. Another one kicking inside And I ain't gonna fuck it up This time That's the one story leading up to that performance where he is, Bruce is the most emotional. Yeah. And it's it's a killer. And Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, by the way, though, I, I was viewing the, 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 the Netflix special, though. I, I could see the 
not even casual fan, but just the person who just by having lived in America for the past couple of decades or so aware of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Hard to miss. Um, but could find themselves. I don't know if they'd be, if they'll sit down and watch the whole thing, but they could approach this thing and not really know anything about them and get plenty. Yeah. I think that, um, because he he pokes fun at his own image and legacy. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of that going on. I really thought that was great. Um, the notion he of... He really didn't do that so much in the book. Now, did he? It seems like no, he was a little no, more but, harder on himself as far as, uh, yeah, I you know I didn't have a license. I didn't know how to drive. Right. And I'm the guy that would in a few years right. be I think riding just, racing in the I streets. Think, <laughs> I think that aspect is condensed into this show a whole lot. Mm. Uh, it, those things are probably all in the book, but there's just amongst uh. so much other information. Um, I like that though. The part where look, I what's the thing about I'm from a boardwalk town. There's always a con, <laughs> like all good magic tricks. It starts with a setup. The, the that and then the part where, uh, yeah, I you know, I I didn't drive until I was 21. I roll these car songs because it's just uh, as I always tell people, it was like Hemingway didn't actually fight all those bulls, and when we get in these talks about authenticity and those things, they, they start to really remove the point of art in a lot, a lot of ways, or at least it, it removes the license that we, that we have to give to an artist or that you have to give to yourself if you want to go out and make anything. Um, so I like that he's taken a moment to crack the, the veneer or the mirror, um, probably the mirror first, then the veneer, Mm. um, it's a very, very valuable thing uh, to be re- to be reminded of that. And also then for him to do this now in like 2018, where myth making and legend building, it's not the same art as it used to be. Uh, we may have talked about this on an episode or not. And I don't want to go too long. But the idea now is going to younger artists, younger fans, they expect to have access to their artist on a daily basis right. or maybe even. Per, I don't however often an artist now posts something about where they are and what they're doing. Yeah. It's but amazing. You're remaining in constant contact and it's hard for legends and stories to, and well, I mean, legends and myth, purposeful legends. You got to script that out daily. Well, Springsteen did all those, all those years, the, you know, the story that's often told, like when the, when the, he put the E street band back together to go back on the road in the late nineties, whenever, and every guy had to cut his own deal basically on pay. Now this is, this is the legend. Mm is that Clarence was asking for a lot of money. Okay. And so coming back to Clarence, like, look, if you can find somebody else on the planet that plays saxophone, that's making that much right now, then you might have a deal. Right. <laughs> but Clarence's response was, but you're not paying me to play saxophone. You're paying me to be the big man. Right. And there's only one. There's only one. And you built that legend. We built that legend starting way <laughs> back when the stories told like, you know, I just, I, you know, and so that's a new, right. Did you, did you ever hear that story? I always thought that was, like, I don't know if it's true or not, but I love it so much. That's great. Um, that, the, yeah, all those stories and like he, even just the whole notion of New Jersey. You're paying me to be the big You're man. paying me to be, yeah. Um, anyway, those things are funny uh, or as he's once in us on, one day we'll look back on this and it will all seem funny. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, you could be a casual fan, a deep fan doesn't matter. This thing, this guy, uh, is meant to be on stage and to deliver stories and whether it's done in a very loud way or a very silent way, um, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and he always had the timing and the, 
you know, the, the mechanics of a good actor, uh, throughout all those years on stage. Right. Um, and I think it kind of finally kind of paid off in this one because he is, by the way, reciting this. I mean, he did the same script pretty much yeah, night after night. Yeah. That is, that's pretty impressive. It's as close to acting as, it's much closer to acting yeah. than what he did on the, without on having fire to video. dress up like, uh, Hal Holbrook did. <laughs> yeah. Um, now visually like what, what Tom did here, he wanted to try to make sure that he wasn't pulling you out of the theater, the theater, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you rarely see uh, crowd shots until near the very end. Yeah. And a lot of nice, tight, close shots. Um, but some of the, the stage lighting I thought was, was really cool during, uh, was it the rising? If you look at the, the, the mm-hmm. stage lighting on the wall behind right. him, those little, um, strips of light that are mm-hmm. going vertically up, Yeah, you know, just with the, that dark background, it just looked like a, a, a city line. Yeah. And of course, uh, yeah, that's, it's very clever, very minimalist, but obviously the highlight rising and, and the towers and all the yeah. things that are kind of emanating from, and yeah, in a, in a ripped skyline. Um, also, uh, I really appreciate the part talking about getting a guitar, first getting a guitar and the power of that, that mm-hmm. obviously rings very, very, uh, true for me, but I also love notice how he, he discusses Elvis and never says Elvis's name. Right. And there's no purpose not to, but right. also, uh, he does. And then, it, but it, it got me thinking, if you go back, he doesn't make a lot of specific cultural references. He doesn't really mention a lot of other artists or movies or, or the books that from, that were always drew inspiration across the years. Um, which I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. You kind of drop those, you know, the name dropping, if you will. And that kind of, yeah. that kind of added to this one man standing there telling his personal story. It helps make it kind of a, a timeless story, even a though bit. you know specifically who he's talking a about. Bit, yeah. But yeah, taking those names out. I mean, that could be, that could be a kid 30 years from now telling a very similar story. Well, he, he did it. There was a, he did an interview with Steve, uh, with, uh, with Steve Van Zant for Steve Van Zant's serious channel or show. I, but they just kind of go through kind of chronologically their musical childhood via records. They really kind of go through. Oh like, yeah. Do you remember this? I do remember that. So Bruce saying, had his he could easily, yeah. He, yeah, he could easily tell his life story via other artists yeah. and other records. He, he, I mean, he really could do that this, this year he goes 180, and I thought that was a, that was really, really interesting. Anyway, that, we should probably wrap it up here because, uh, it's just time to wrap it up, Dave. It is. Had a great year. Thank you for everything. Yeah, it was fantastic. And thanks to uh, everybody that's tuned in this year. Thanks to the the guests that we've had uh, with interviews, uh, both on the phone and in person. Uh, Ruby Boots, check out that episode oh, yeah. again. That was, that was fun. That great was performance. special. And we will have more performance for you in the coming year, 2019. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to mention that this episode of The Jukebox Graduate was brought to you, as always, by Satellite Amplifiers. And also with thanks to... Special thanks to Clover and Brad Sample, also Kelsey Gard for her questions. The Jukebox Graduate is available on iTunes, Alexa, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen. And also check out our companion episode playlist on Spotify. The link will be on our homepage. That's right. All right. You ready for the, uh, the lyric? I'm ready. I'm actually prepared this time. All right. The year in song, year in music, a week in song, a day in song, joy is the aim. I'm Dave Rayburn. Every year's a souvenir.
that slowly fades away. I'm Eugene Edwards, and you've been listening to The Jukebox Graduate.